Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, brand worn by John McEnroe, Vitas Garolitis, Novak Djokovic, and Gabriella Sabatini. Check them out at SergioTacchini.com. They have a new collab with Racket Magazine that I think is superb. There's also another collab rolling out with Union. Check them out again at SergioTacchini.com. Also, I am proud to announce that Diodora, the brand made legendary by Bjorn Borg and currently worn by world number 28, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, and today's guest is the official shoe of the podcast. See them at Diodora.com. Today's guest was born in the Czech Republic and grew up in Florida. She has been ranked as high as nine in the world in doubles and has reached the finals of Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. She semied the French and the Australian Open. She has won 12 tournaments on the WTA Tour and with her partner, Ellen Perez, is in the hunt to make the WTA Finals in Fort Worth. Nicole Melikar Martinez is today's guest. Now, this rain is, uh, this misting weather, what's the sort of thought here? What, like, what do you do? Do you just kind of get ready and stop getting ready, then get ready and stop getting ready? Yeah, like our practice today was a bit weird. We were hitting and then it's getting a little slippery. So, you know, take a drink break and then it gets dry and then you hit again and it's getting slippery. So it's just, it's been a little awkward. We had to, you know, push practice back a bit and uh, um, take a few longer breaks. But overall, we got the job done and we got a good practice in and I think we worked on everything we needed to. What's the, what are the conversations like in the players' lounge with regards to, you know, kind of the rhythm of the day? Is it everyone very frustrated and worrying about getting to Guadalajara? Is every, you know, how, what's what's happening inside the – my show is like an insider show, so yeah. we always want to know what's happening. Yeah, I mean, like us as tennis players, we're so used to rain delays at tournaments, so we're very experienced. We've gone through it before. Um, uh Obviously, we were, I think Ellen and I were hoping to actually play today uh, just because it's already Thursday and Guadalajara is altitude. Um, so if we were to win, obviously, it's great to stay for the semifinals on Saturday. But if uh, if you're to lose, then you want to get to Guadalajara as soon as possible because of Monday or possibly Tuesday start. And there is altitude there and we don't play till tomorrow, Friday. So uh, extra extra motivation to win, um, you know, to stay longer. But uh, but yeah, just getting through the rain. Um, it is what it is. You just have to deal with it. And hopefully hopefully it's leaving <laughs> and that's the story of the day we're in san diego the young woman you hear is world number eight uh 10 currently world or number 11. world number 10 <laughs> doubles player on the wta tour on a wicked hot streak and that's nicole melikar um, thanks for coming out we're on court seven looking at uh Iga Sviantek is on on center court here at the san diego open yeah, I actually have to correct you there. I am married and I've hyphenated my last name. So it is Melikar Martinez in respect to my husband. <laughs> Who is on the opposite side of the net from us right now. Apologies. As you know, we do a five set format. The first set's the off the court report. Where did you come from to come to San Diego? 
Um, I did come from home. I was playing in Tallinn um, a couple weeks ago, and then I went home. It was obviously after the hurricane. Had to check on things at home, uh, make sure everything was okay. And then home is Florida for me, uh, Bradenton, Florida. And then yeah, so came from from home last Friday. How's your time been here in San Diego? Uh, it's been good so far. Um, we've been going to Little Italy, uh, getting some nice dinners there, trying to explore different restaurants. Uh, we went to a restaurant called Puesto for some very good tacos. Um, always looking for food recommendations no matter what city I'm in, so uh, definitely a foodie. But yeah, um, have had good practice sessions and was fighting a little bit of jet lag just because I flew from Europe back to America and then obviously from Florida to here is another three hours. Um, so haven't been doing too many things. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of fun things to do in San Diego, but yeah, mostly uh, restaurants and practice. Now you're in the, you and Ellen Perez, Australian, are in the hunt to make the last dance which is in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. And you've been on a you've been on a, a vicious hot streak. You guys have been playing good tennis. What sort of the is it just kind of week by week, day by day, just kind of try to keep playing really well, keep winning matches? Is that sort of the Yeah, I mean, all we can control is uh, what's in front of us. So we're just trying to take it one day at a time, you know, continue to improve, continue to work on things just to be overall better tennis players. Um, but yeah, we're look, uh, we're already prepping for our next match, which is tomorrow, and we're just trying to take it one day at a time. Obviously, um, leading up into the U.S. Open uh, series of tournaments, we had zero chance for the finals, basically, and then we went on a hot run, and, and now it looks very realistic. So we want to keep pushing forward, but we're not putting pressure on ourselves. If we make it, it's fantastic, um, especially so late in the year. And if we don't, then I think we had a hell of a run. But, uh, but yeah, we're just pushing one day at a time and staying focused on doing the right things. So for our listeners, Nicole and Ellen have finaled four tournaments, mm-hmm. semi the open, mm-hmm. and you won. In Cleveland. In Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Yep. What started clicking that you started having, you know, better and better results? Um, honestly, for me, I think uh, uh, my husband, who is also my coach, uh, he started uh, traveling finally with me to tournaments starting from San Jose, which was the week before Toronto. Um, and he's been working with me this year at home, but he was unfortunately unable to, to travel and he started traveling with me. And I think it's just, it's made a world of a difference for me. And I also, uh, think he's helped Ellen a lot. And I think just, you know, we've got a great team chemistry going, but even before that, Ellen and I at Wimbledon, um, we had like a solid 10 days before Wimbledon to really practice and get our plays set. And I think just like the accumulation of, you know, playing on the clay, playing on the grass, and then getting a good team chemistry, I think it's all sort of come together really nice. What have you been doing best? Um, I'd say staying calm under pressure. I think um, something we didn't do well maybe in the clay season when we first started playing was uh, we weren't very good on maybe the no add points or you know in certain pressure situations I think we we're maybe trying to overplay or we panicked or you know you just give a free point for no reason and I think that's something we're doing really well is staying calm and and hitting our shots and even if we we do miss we're not panicking over it we're not um whining or complaining about it we just go and we play the next point and that's it and i think that's really given us a lot of confidence let's move into the third set this Mm -hmm. is the portion of our show where we talk about your career Mm -hmm. 
I wish I knew more about you. I know that you were born in the Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. Where does your tennis begin? Um, my tennis probably begins when my mom was pregnant with me and playing tennis with the, with the ladies on court. But in um, Czech? Uh, no, um, actually, my parents already lived in the states. Um, before I was born. They were living in the States already for a few years. Uh, the reason I was born in the Czech Republic was because uh, my mom didn't have health insurance in the States and my dad uh, happened to be over in the Czech Republic on business. So it kind of worked out that she flew back to have me born there. It was a little bit undecided, the plan. But yeah, I was born in the Czech Republic, but I grew up in the States. But uh, Czech parents? Czech parents. Both are Czech, yes. Do you speak Czech? I do speak Czech, yes. What language do you dream in? English. English is definitely my first language. It comes easiest to me. I speak good Czech with an American accent a little bit, but I, my, my Czech is good. It's fluent. And I see that it says Melikarova. Yes. So you are Melikarova, but you changed, you went, you, you dropped the Ova. Yes, exactly. Actually, I, I have dual citizenship and I, on my birth certificate, I'm obviously Melikarova. And then in my Czech passport, uh, I have Melikarova as well. So you drop the OVA just because the only reason the OVA is there is to determine male and female. Um, right, it's like Navratil and Navratilova. Exactly. exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, was there ever a consideration to play for Czech? For me, no. Um, I do remember when I was young because I still wasn't an American citizen. I was um, I was a green card holder, but I lived in the States and I was playing under the American flag. But uh, I don't remember what happened, if it was playing ITFs or USTA or what happened. I actually had to um, request a letter from the Czech Federation to release me, even though I had never played under them. But for me, it was it was honestly never an option to play for the Czech Republic. I never grew up there. Everything I learned was in the States. I'm I, I'm patriotic uh, to this to my USA background. Just if I know the language um, and I've grown up here and I've learned everything here, I don't think it's uh, fair to represent a country um that i i didn't grow up in fair enough now how like back to the original question i apologize how did you get good how where did your tennis begin well my older sister she's uh, jane she's five years older than me she was um playing from a young age and i was always on the tennis court running around um so basically little sister wanted to be better than her big sister um so yeah just growing up uh loving hitting tennis balls being very competitive um wanting to always play tournaments on the weekends and then just seeing on tv how you know martina hingis and monica sellis and players like that were winning these trophies and just wanting to be there so i just pursued it it was something i always wanted to do i skipped college i just always wanted to give the best for my tennis whether it was the best decision in that moment or not I, I don't know but I just always uh wanted to be good and went for it you didn't grow up in Bradenton no I didn't um I grew up in Stewart Florida and then from the age of 13 I trained in Texas at uh John Newcomb Tennis Academy oh, wow. for three years and then I moved over to Arizona and trained with Nick Blackwood and Andre Pavel at a small academy that they had over there um for another three years and then I went back to Florida and trained at Club Med Academy which now I believe they changed their name to Altitude Academy 
um and yeah just was playing on tour well that's like a that's like a rock and roll tour yeah (laughs) and how does that happen you're just trying to get better and better exactly like all the academies in florida growing up were so expensive and uh, john newcomb's in texas offered me a pretty good scholarship so i originally went there because it was financially possible to you know pursue my dreams um and it not totally break my parents bank um but yeah then i felt from there i needed a little bit more of like a private coaching situation which was what nick blackwood provided for me um, and then and Andre Pavel, for our listeners, mm-hmm. was a long time beast on the pro tennis tour. He was on the ATP tour for a lot of years and played. Uh, I don't know how high he got. Career high of number 13. Yeah. I, and he told me he had two matches that he played. Had he won them, he would have broken the top 10. Yeah, no, Andre Pavel was a omnipresent player on the ATP tour for a lot of years. One of the best one-handed backhands ever. So you just kind of kept going and going. Now, yeah. were you, did you did you play, you know, like Junior Wimbledon and Internet? No, uh, I didn't. I played a few of the ITFs and juniors, but only in the states, like some level fours and level fives. Uh, I never played any of the Junior Grand Slams. Um, I I wanted to, but I never. It was too expensive for me to to travel to ITFs to get my ranking high enough. So I basically just started from like seventeen or eighteen. Um, you know, playing uh, low level, you know, 10,000s, which are now 15,000s and just trying to get my ranking up on the pro tour and basically doing the whole grind from futures to challengers up until uh, I got eventually to the WTA and then switching to doubles to become my specialty. Well, you got to 400. Mm -hmm. How would you describe your singles career and how how does that happen where you you stop? Well, it was a little unfortunate for me because in 2012, um, I did get to 400, but then unfortunately I got sick with mono and it knocked me out for uh, a couple of months, but then I tried to come back too quickly and I was just exhausted and I was trying to play tournaments, um, uh, playing singles and I couldn't really survive the matches because my stamina wasn't back. I actually wasn't fully recovered from it. And so my rankings started dropping. However, in doubles, I was actually doing all right because the stamina for doubles it's a different type of sport singles and doubles singles you need more stamina and doubles it's more uh technical and tactical um you're able to handle half the court uh yeah and not as long matches obviously with the format of the new ad scoring tiebreaker for the third you didn't play as long and um so my doubles ranking got a bit higher and then all of a sudden Um, I was getting into some low-level WTA events, and now all of a sudden, either I can go play singles at an ITF where I have to, um, I didn't have enough money to pay a coach, so I was already traveling alone, which is almost impossible to make it, I think, in singles or doubles without a coach. But now I'm at least getting into WTA events where I'm getting free hotel, I'm getting free food, I'm getting more prize money. So it it was a financial decision basically to go for doubles because i didn't have enough to pay to fund my singles would it be fair to say though that doubles lines up better for you in general like because you've got sweet sweet volleys and Mm -hmm. you know it it seems to me that getting to the net in singles is like essentially it's like remarkably difficult and Mm -hmm. to be at the net (laughs) already I think doubles definitely suits my game. Uh, Good serve, good volleys, strong ground strokes, uh, not the best mover. Um, 
I'd like to think had I had enough finances and I had a coach that um, I could have maybe made it top 100 in singles. However, the difference is when I think now, I think I could have done well in singles. But if I'm being truly honest with myself, I don't think I could have been a champion in singles. Whereas in doubles, I truly believe I'm competitive in these Grand Slams and I'm competing you know, for the trophies. I've been close a couple of times. I, I have a mixed title, but uh, I've been in the finals a couple of times. Well, not doubles. just, a, don't, don't say just a mixed title. You have Wimbledon. Wimbledon yeah. mixed doubles, yes. Yeah. So, and uh, from the bottom of my heart, like, why do we play tennis? Because we want to play tournaments. We enjoy winning. We're competitors. And for me, I would rather play in a discipline where I am really good and competing for trophies rather than just being okay in singles. And you've done it. Yep. Are you happy being on the pro tennis tour? I am. I I think COVID gave me a different perspective. Um, I appreciate now a lot more being home, which I didn't appreciate um, as much before. So now maybe sometimes travel is a little bit more difficult because I do uh, miss home at times. However, I do enjoy seeing different places. And like I said, trying different foods, uh, seeing the cultures of, um, you know, in the different countries, obviously it's different in Europe than in Asia, than Australia, South America. So I do enjoy the travel. However, also now that I've been doing it for several years, it's pretty rare that I get to go to a new place. So that's why I really liked um, going to Tallinn a couple weeks ago, because I've never been to Estonia. So at least I got to finally see a new place for once uh um for once in the last couple of years because in the last couple of years yeah I, they, they were all the same cities that i'd already been to you are married in 2021 you i was told you graduated college and got married is that true uh not on the same day but yeah um so i finished uh i finished my schooling actually at the end of I want to say at the end of 2020, however, my graduation was, um, no, I finished in May of 2021. And then we had the graduation ceremony in Cincinnati of, uh, 2021. I think I'm mixing up my years, but I think so. But yes, I did get married last year, um, in July of 2021. So yeah, it wasn't the same summer. That's a good effort on, uh, personally and professionally mm -hmm. and i can also throw in i played uh, at the tokyo olympics that summer as well so pr pretty big highlight year it's a great year mm -hmm. what is your feelings about the health of the wta what do you mean look how like you know there's been some turmoil with regards to you know the asia swing being sort of shut down um and now it's kind of turned back on. There's there's sort of a dearth of uh, tournaments at times. How do you feel about the tour? Well, I think this year in particular, the last couple of years, obviously with COVID, everything was sort of thrown to pieces. And I think the WTA is doing their best to obviously um, give us jobs, keep it running. Um, this post US Open schedule, hasn't been the greatest um to be honest because normally you'd go to asia and you'd finish sort of in asia 
um, and that's it. Now we've had Asia, we've had Europe, we have America. Um, it's it, it's definitely a lot for some players. However, we have to be very grateful that the WTA is figuring out a way to provide us these tournaments. Um, and it we, just feels a little herky jerky with regards to the schedule. It does, and all the players will tell you that, and even the WTA will. Um, but it is what it is for this year, and. You know, if you don't want to deal with the jet lag and the time zone travel and everything, then you know what, don't play. But for the players that want to play, at least we have the opportunity. And however, I know for next year that the WTA is working hard to make sure that the schedule flows to give us uh, more prize money, more job opportunities. And uh, I think they're working very hard to try and create mm -hmm. that for us. And we're still the highest paid women's sport in the world. So I think we have a lot to be grateful for. Just had that conversation with John Wertheim that women's tennis is still the biggest women's sport there is mm -hmm. and i hope it stays that way because tennis is a beautiful sport and um it's so difficult and i think uh i think people see it better and better and i think the match last week the final in ostrava between barbara krejcikova and iga Sviatek, i think uh, i think that just showed how amazing women's tennis is and i think that's a great um great way to portray it and i think we we have so many wonderful players right now so many amazing doubles teams i think doubles isn't promoted enough actually i need to i need to say that the wta still needs to do a better job because the WTA has such a good product with doubles and their doubles players that I think they can do better with it. Do you watch pro tennis? Yeah. Yeah. It drives my husband nuts sometimes because we'll be in the room and often like when I was traveling alone, I never turned on the TV in my hotel room. It's just I just don't for watch TV. And now we turn on the TV, but the only channel I ever put on is Jenna's channel. <laughs> I I don't know, unless I put my computer on and watch Netflix, like a specific show that I want to see. I'm not really into watching TV, but I feel like I'm always on my phone seeing the live scores of not just the women, but also the men. I'm a big tennis fan. I follow and see how players are doing. Uh, I'm following the race for the ATP um, World Tour Finals for the men in singles and doubles. You know, it's interesting. I feel like it's popcorn. Nicole Melikar Martinez loves pro tennis. Doesn't just get out there and play it, but it's like keeps your eye on it. Let's let's move into the fourth set. This is the 10 ball scramble. I just say it and you say what comes in your mind. Okay, that's right. Well, wait for By the way, uh, the plane situation is totally out of control. I feel like we're in New York. Feels like uh, certain times of day during the US Open. Um, your favorite tournament? Wimbledon. Why? because it's my first Grand Slam title. It's just, it's so special to me. I, it has to be Wimbledon. And it's so sweet there, isn't it's it? Beautiful. It's just beautiful. I love oh. flowers. I love green. I love maintenance. Like, I I've, been, I've been telling everyone that there's like not even like a bad strawberry at Wimbledon. There isn't. And it's just, it's so clean and it's so perfect. It's, it's mm. almost too perfect, but yeah. Your favorite city? Uh, Melbourne. Why? Or Tokyo. <laughs> two great selections by the way i think the food in melbourne is just fantastic and the coffee the coffee is so good and then tokyo there's just so much to do so much to see a lot of exploring and also the food is amazing so those places i've really um enjoyed favorite player growing up kim kleisters 
favorite player now? Well, he just stopped Roger Federer. Um, so I'll have to give it to Rafa. And what about, is there a woman that you love to watch play tennis? I love, I really admire Iga right now. I, I just, I love seeing her play. I love how well she moves. I love how she fights and competes. I've had the honor of, you know, competing, uh, playing doubles with her at the French Open back in 2020. Um, yeah, I, she's a great person and she's super humble and down to earth. I just, I think she's great. Medical timeouts. I think they're valid if they're necessary. Um, I think the women, most of them in general, do a good job only calling when it's necessary. I think the men abuse it way too much. Who drives the Volvo you want in Charleston? I do. That thing came home with you? That car came home with you? That car came home with me. Unfortunately, it's only a two-year lease, but I'll probably end up buying it at the end of that because I love it so much. Where were you when Fed retired? When was, he when he ended that at the Labor Cup? I was in Tokyo. Um, so yeah, I had to rewatch the the part of the match uh, after I woke up because it was in the middle of the night in Tokyo. But I remember waking up seeing the announcement, but I also had like all the articles sent to me like from my parents and my sister and my friends. And they're like, Federer's retiring. And yeah, it was a sad day for tennis. Where were you when Serena finished? against Isla at the US Open or in New York I wasn't um, at the US Open I, I was having dinner I think somewhere I don't remember <laughs> but um, but yeah I was in New York still what were your did you, did you watch the did you watch the finishing of did you watch the end absolutely I mean you have to you're just uh, I had to watch it on my phone because I wasn't at a TV but yeah you just see it and I mean, it's it's an era that just ends and you feel so sad is coming to an end. I mean, all that she's accomplished and done for tennis and changed for tennis. Um, however, also, I have to say, um, I like Isla a lot. And I know she's been in so many close matches that didn't go for way, her way. So even though Serena was ending, I was so happy for Isla to finally get a big moment for her. Big entourage or lean and mean? Lean and mean. How many do you travel with? Currently one, just a husband slash coach. And do, do you share the coach with Ellen? What's the relationship like? How do you guys like sort of practice? How do you work during a match? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's helping her as well. So uh, he's he's the boss. He's, you know, trying to keep us both in, in check, making sure we get what we need. Um, I he's you know there in the matches um coaching is obviously allowed on the WTA so he's there telling us uh giving us feedback in the matches as well so uh he's he's definitely in the driver's seat player box etiquette um I think it's important for um the coach to be supportive and like the the box to be supportive however I think the box needs to understand that because coaching is allowed they need to make sure to be quiet in certain moments to allow the coach to deliver the message to the players. Um, and I think always just to be respectful. I think if something is too loud or too rowdy, um, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I also don't like when it's too quiet either. I think there needs to just be a happy medium, like very respectful. The most cavalier thing you ever did with prize money, right out of the office. Ooh. 
Did you ever just take that check and buy uh, buy something? I mean, I bought a house. You bought a house? I bought a house. Well, that's not cavalier, though. I mean, yeah, no, that's kind of an investment for your life. But um, When did you, you bought the house? Right out, right out of the office? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. I, but uh, I bought a jacuzzi. You bought a jacuzzi. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that, that's, a, that's not cheap. And to deliver it into my house, that was hilarious because it was only curbside delivery. So I had to... I had to beg like eight or nine of my friends to come over and help because this thing weighed a thousand pounds and we had to like push it through all the trees to get around the side of the house through the back and it, it was like a four hour process. It was it was hilarious actually. What is the key to new age doubles right now? The way doubles is played, what is it that we need to be looking at that you know kind of shows who the best players in the world are how are you how what, what's the what's the sort of you know the strategy the technique what what's kind of happening in doubles now that's like sort of sort of new age well i think you see the most dominant teams so let's say the czech girls for example they won three out of the four grand slams this year they both have good serves um, you see Mladenovic and Garcia that won the French Open. They both have good serves. You, you sort of see in the last few years, you know, Merton Sabalenka um, winning a couple of Grand Slams. Like a lot of the teams, not everyone at the top of the game, not everyone in the top eight, eight has a team with two good serves. But I feel like the teams that are um, usually winning the biggest tournaments, which obviously are the Grand Slams, um, are teams that have two big serves because it is so tough to break in today's game. I think the game is very powerful. It's very fast. And I think that is a huge weapon. Um, and I think Ellen and I have that, which is, uh, which is great. Obviously we have to work on other parts of our game, our returns, our volleys, our ground serves, everything is important, but a big pattern I'm seeing is the serve. And doesn't the player that's at the net have to be, super active always kind of trying to find those little moments to kind of baby poach definitely uh you have to be on alert at all times um and also on the contrary sometimes when you hit a good serve sometimes the return comes back even faster um if they especially if players connect well on it so you need to be sometimes after a good serve you have to be even more ready at the net not like less ready so yeah absolutely you have to be ready for the bullets to come at you um, for the ball to go over you. There's a lot of chip lobs and doubles. Um, you have to have soft hands, you know, especially if the ball is low. You have to be very versatile. Is serving and volleying almost obsolete because of the athleticism and the technology? Is it hard to, is it hard to serve and volley? Um, I think it's just not taught so much. Like, obviously, you have players, like I'm playing against her tomorrow, Louisa Stefani. She loves to serve in volley. Um, you see it a lot in the men's tennis. I think, um, I, I think girls are just such good returners these days that it's, it does make it tough, especially for that first volley. So I think players do do it, but it's not something that you can do, I don't think, on every single point. I think it's more of a change-up. What is your relationship with Diodora? Oh, Diodora is fantastic. Their shoes, honestly, when I um, when they first offered me a sponsorship and um, for shoes, I was a little bit like, okay, that's nice. And then you know you get the shoes and you're just like, 
these are really good shoes. These are really good quality. They're firm and durable, yet they're soft enough to where if I had to just put them on and play a match in them right away, I can. Um, they're lasting a really long time for me. I'm not going through them, you know, in a week or two. They're uh, they're lasting a really long time. I love the cover, uh, the colors. They're wide enough for my feet because I sometimes struggle with some shoes that are too narrow. Um, that I've been absolutely blown away with how good they are and I'm not joking and um Carlos my husband well he wears basically the same size shoe as me he's uh, half a size bigger but he can still fit into into my size but I even gave him a couple couple pairs in the beginning and he was impressed with um how good they are and luckily at least uh Diodora is now sending me a, a few pairs of shoes for him too um because of that half size difference but yeah no I absolutely love them I think I think they're wonderful and yesterday I was getting a massage and the massage lady was like what shoes are those and she saw my running shoes it's like Diodora she's like what size are you I'm like mm, 10 and a half and she's like you might be walking out of here barefoot <laughs> so she wanted to steal my shoes because they look so nice now um do you do you rock the walk around shoes when you're off the court or do you are you just purely on court in Diodora. Do you ever wear just kind of the uh, sort of the the do they do they send you the uh, the heritage shoes? I think they call them. Diodora has been fantastic. They've sent me um, several pairs of even casual shoes. I brought uh, two of them with me. One kind of like an all white um, shoe, and then one maybe it's the one that I'm, I'm terrible with names. I do apologize. The, but like the heritage shoe that does go a bit higher, um, on the ankle and looks a bit more for like chilling, relaxing, walking around in and, but just the colors and the fit and the, the style, like it goes really well with jeans. It goes really well with shorts it, like, and they're comfortable and they look good. I, yeah, I, I can rave about them on and on. <laughs> Let's move in the fifth and final set. This is the queen of the court. If you could be the queen of tennis and make a change in the sport with a swing over the racket, what would it be? I think I know the answer. Let's see. Um, well, like if we're talking about uh, rules of tennis, I think they should get rid of lets. I think lets are stupid, to be honest. Why can the ball hit the top of the net in the middle of a point but not off a serve? Um... And I definitely think they should promote more doubles. <laughs> that would actually be my number one. Um, but I actually would love to see the doubles format scoring going to two regular sets rather than the no ad scoring. I think it would. Um, I think it would make the results all across the board uh, more consistent uh, for the player for the better teams. Um, and if it does go to a third set, fine, you know, you maybe play a tie break, but I think playing regular scoring rather than no ad scoring, um, would be a change that I would like to see made. Nicole Melikar Martinez dropping down a tremendous education here at the uh, San Diego open. Uh, good luck. And thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Nicole Melikar Martinez, you are released. Huge thank you to Nicole Melikar Martinez and thank you to Sergio Tacchini. See them at SergioTacchini.com and welcome aboard Diodora. See them at Diodora.com and be on the lookout as there will be more to come. Max Loeb edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. 
Special thanks to Alex Feldman and Diodora for the assist. We will be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released.